Ruth chapter number 3. And here we see we left off and we're going to deal with um, something in the text tonight. That's just a, just in my path. And Ruth chapter number 3, as you know, she is, in this context, starting in verse 10, she's at the feet of Boaz. She is basically making a proposal. And I know that's against our thinking. But she's, uh, she's getting the ball rolling more and more into this direction. She, it's almost like she's got to know now, or sometime in the very near future, can I be the next Mrs. Boaz? Where are we going with this twinking, uh, tw- twitching of an eye, wink of the eye, and smile, and extra corn on the side, and handfuls on purpose? Where are we going with this, Mr. Boaz? That's, that's her thought there. And, uh, and I'm sure she's been very reverent and trying not to be so uh, forward. But uh, verse 10, she's at the feet of Boaz and she makes that request in verse 9. He said, Who art thou? She answered, I am Ruth thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thy handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. So that's, a, again, that's just an easy and a great way for her to say, I'm, I'm available. I know you're available. I want us to, to be married. I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to take this to the next level and put the ball in his court. And, uh, and he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, insomuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. So when he says to her, Blessed be thou of the Lord, He's already talked about how she's, he's already observed her newfound faith in the Lord. If you look at chapter 2 and verse 12, he's speaking to her. He says, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward uh, be given unto, uh, unto thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. So he has seen her process. He has seen her growth. Uh, he has seen her accept the Lord's grace, and he had seen her begin to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. He has seen her faith with Naomi, and uh, and he says in chapter 3, verse 10, Blessed be thou of the Lord. God's blessed you, uh, Ruth, and I see that God's blessed you, and there's no doubt he knows God's using him to be able to be an extra blessing to her. And he says, For thou hast shown more kindness in the latter end then at the beginning, the beginning is the first day that she came in uh, to Bethlehem, Judea. The beginning can go as far as back uh, when she told Naomi, you know, I'll lodge where you lodge. I'll go where you go. Your, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And she has shown more kindness now at the end than at the beginning. She's not bitter at Naomi. She's not bitter at this, this other country. She's not bitter at this other city. She's not bitter at these other, uh, this next culture that she's come into. Actually, her newfound faith is causing her to be more sweeter and more kind. You know, that's exactly what the Lord will do for you. The Lord will take some old poor, wretched, poor, miserable, blind sinner, amen, and save them and put the Holy Spirit on the inside of them and then take a mean old man or a mean old woman, amen, and save them and clean them up and make them sweet and kind, amen. And so that's what the Lord would do. 
And so she, so she's uh, kind in the latter end and at the beginning. Insomuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. So her kindness at the end is not just wishing now to go to Bethlehem, Judea. Not just wishing to stay there. Not just wishing to be with Naomi. But her kindness at the end now is to be his wife. And so she is, and of course not just the reason why she didn't go after the young men, those were not the the um, the descendants, if you will. They were not the in the family tree of Elimelech, her father-in-law. So she knew she would have been out of bounds to go with anyone else other than her father-in-law's lineage. And the next time we get in the book of Ruth, we'll tell you a little bit more why that is, why Boaz can be a near kinsman redeemer, and why it makes him so qualified to do so. But look at verse number 11. He says, Now my daughter, fear not. She's at his feet and she's made this proposal so he knows now the direction he needs to go. He's getting some confirmation. He said, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. And we preached a little bit about that the last time. And I want you to see this. For all the city of my people doeth know Thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. How bet there's a, a kinsman nearer than I. He tells her to tarry all night, and she does. Verse 14, she led his feet until the morning. He told her all the city, verse 11, all the city of, uh, all the, the city of my people doeth know that thou art a virtuous woman. Uh, I called preacher and I said, preacher, you know, I said, you're almost bumping against Proverbs chapter number 31. And I said, I've got this little phrase in my roof text that she's a virtuous woman. And I said, you know, I I think I'll just move on and just let you take care of that that topic. And uh, because that's coming up and I'm sure he's going to dwell a little bit uh, in Proverbs 31. And he says, well, you preach what you need to. He said, it's going to, the rate, he said this. He said, the rate I'm going, it might be a while before I'm in Proverbs 31. <laughs> Amen. And so, uh, so we're going to, I'll try to give a little introduction. I'm sure he'll mine out Proverbs 31 for you. And so, but I'll try to give you a little bit of, out of this text, out of this book of the Bible and other places too, about a virtuous woman. Uh, the only person in the Bible that was actually referenced a virtuous woman is Ruth. Now, there's no doubt there's many other virtuous women in the Bible we can see by their character. We can see by their uh, integrity, if you will. And there's no doubt that Ruth is not just the only virtuous woman. When I think of a virtuous woman in the Bible, I do think of Isaac's wife, Rachel. Uh, if she wasn't virtuous, virtuous, she probably missed her chance of being virtuous because it takes a, to be a, one of the characteristics of being a virtuous woman is having a lot of patience. And here is Rachel been waiting many, many years, 14 years and uh, uh, on, 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 Isaac, on, on Jacob and waiting all that time, uh, marrying the wrong one, getting the wrong one on the honeymoon night and all that stuff. And then he still had to labor he still had to work for her all of those years. And when I think of a virtuous woman, I do think of Rachel. I do think of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1. No doubt a good quality of a virtuous woman would be a praying woman. 
I don't think you can have a, a godly man or a godly woman, a man of integrity, a woman of virtue, be, be in virtue without serious matter of prayer. Uh, holy women, uh, no doubt, were, me, were women of, of, of no doubt of prayer. And so uh, Hannah was a praying woman. She took that baby and she uh, prayed that God would give her a man child. God gave her a man child and immediately she dedicated that baby to the house, to the things of the Lord and lent him unto the Lord as the scripture says. I think about Esther. Uh, no doubt she was a virtuous woman. I think about Elizabeth in Luke chapter number one, um, the, the mother of John the Baptist. The Bible says they both were righteous before God. They both kept the commandments of God. And if you study Luke chapter number one, you would see they were both filled Husband and wife were both filled with the Holy Ghost of God, and um, that's you know that that's not always uh, uh, something you see where you see husband and wife uh, like an Anaquila and Priscilla working together like the household of Stephanus that addicted themselves to the ministry. Uh, oftentimes, you see one that's strong serving God, and the other spouse is carnal and cold and backslidden on the Lord. And so, but you take John the Baptist's mom and dad, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were both righteous before God, both following after the commandments of God, and they were both filled with the Holy Ghost. And no wonder the scripture says and that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Probably the one of the most strangest verse in all the Bible. But anyway, uh, when I think of a virtuous woman, I can't help but think of Elizabeth. When I think of a virtuous woman, uh, you can't help but think of, I think of Martha as well. I know there's um, Mary of Bethany, and, and I, I, I understand that. I mean, I, mean, I mean Mary, not Martha. I'm sorry. I, I get them switched over in my mind sometimes. But I think of Mary of Bethany, that every time you saw her, she was always at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, when I really think of a virtuous woman, I think of uh, the, uh, the, the mother of Christ, the mother of Jesus. No doubt she was, uh, she was highly, she was well favored. God didn't just choose any young lady uh, to bring in the Son of Man, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords into the world. He chose a, a young lady that was pure and clean and right, that was no doubt a virtuous woman. Uh, even at a young age, to bring the Son of God into the world. But here in our text tonight, we see Ruth, a Moabite lady, a lady that's out of her country, out of her culture, a lady that has not been brought up in the teachings of the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob teachings whatsoever, a lady that hasn't been familiarized with all the things of Bethlehem, Judea, as she would normally uh, be accustomed to. And no doubt she, as we've said all along, she's a Gentile. And she's a picture uh, of, the, of the Gentile bride that is seen in the New Testament. And we know that Christ, that Boaz is a picture of Christ there with Boaz. And so when you look at the famous verse, who can find a virtuous uh, woman, her price is far above rubies, Proverbs 31 verse 10. You can actually turn that around and say, who can find a virtuous church? For a price as far above rubies. You've heard Brother Farley talk about Brother Jack Wood. His father-in-law 
that pastored many years at Shady Acres Baptist Church. And uh, great man of God he was. But I, I heard, I was in the service when he preached, Miss Hannah, his last message. It was in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. They were at a camp meeting. There was about 45 people there from Shady Acres Baptist Church. And Brother Wood gets up and preaches on Proverbs 31 verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. And he used that to say who can find a virtuous church. Uh, I'd say that finding a virtuous church is, is just like trying to find a virtuous woman. The price is far above rubies. It's an unusual thing to find both. And so we live in a day and age where uh, churches uh, do not regard the true, do not regard the Word of God, and they do not regard one another. And so they're just a lot of our churches today that's in our land are nothing than modern uh, Christian rock shows. Amen. They build their buildings with their... Uh, they don't have pulpit pits. They got platforms. They don't even have platforms. They got stages. And they put up their nice lights and they're blue and they're green and they're purple. And it looks nothing more than like a bar in the background. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'm not going to go to no church. Amen. And uh, everything looks like low dim light. And uh, people got the fog machine out, amen. And they got everything looking like a bar, amen. Hey, if I'm going to really get a hold of the, the, the carnal stuff, I'm just going to go out there and go to the bar, amen. I'm not going to go in church and make it sacrilegious and pretend I'm worshiping God when actually it's just a bunch of carnality of the flesh, amen. And it's hard to find a good virtuous church, just like many times it's hard to find a good virtuous woman. Uh, look at Proverbs chapter number 12. Uh, hold, might as well, you don't have to hold your place, but Proverbs chapter number 12. This, this phrase, virtuous woman. Uh, Ruth was called a virtuous woman by Boaz. And uh, her picture is a church. And so we should seek to be a virtuous church. Amen. The word virtuous actually means morally good. Conforming to the moral law and divine law. So a virtuous individual, uh, as the Bible's teaching, a virtuous woman is, is a morally good. Is She's trying to live right. She's trying to do right, not just by the law of the land, but also with the law of God. And so look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. And the Bible says that she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. So a virtuous woman here in Proverbs 12, 4 is a crown to her husband. So you should, a virtuous woman that's morally good, that is conforming to the moral law of the land, but more importantly, she's conforming to the divine law and she's seeking the word of God and and obeying the word of God and trying to be the person, the individual that God wants her to be, the Bible says that type of virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. Uh, I know women that are not, there's a lot of women that are not crowns to their husband. If they're crowns, they're not crowns of jewels. They're more like a crown of thorns than anything else. Amen? And so, but there's something about a virtuous woman, the Bible says, is a crown to her husband. Uh, look at, to hold your place there, but look at 1 Peter 3, 4. I got to look at that word crown. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, 
verse number 1. Chapter 3, verse number 1. Now, ladies, if you're saved and born again and you have a husband that's lost, you're to pay attention to this verse. Also, if you're saved and born again and you're walking with God, you've got a prayer life, you're following God's Word, you're trying to be a virtuous lady, then uh, and you've got a carnal, cold, callous, backslidden husband, you ought to still look at this verse. Look at 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husband. Amen. Now, we don't like that in, in, the, in this 21st century that we live in, uh, but that's what the Bible teaches us, that the wives are being subjection to their own husbands. In other words, don't be subjection to someone else's husband. Amen. Uh, you got your own husband. You got your own problem. Amen. You, you got your own better half, so you're to be in subjection unto your own and not somebody else's. And, uh, and that if any obey not the word, speaking to the husband, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. So there is a wife that uh, has a husband that's obeying not the word of God. And the way she can win him is by the lifestyle and by the holiness and the godliness of being a virtuous woman. Virtuous women has the ability to lead their lost husbands to the Lord. They also have the ability to help their carnal husband as well in the good fight of faith. And verse 2, while they behold, while they, the lost man, or the man that's obeying not the word, while they behold your chaste conversation, that word chaste is pure, that, that is your uh, virtue. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. So there's an honor, there's a respect there. Uh, even you being subjected to him. And, uh, and I've heard women say, well, if he would just love me, I could, I could be more subjected to him. I would understand that. But whether he loves you or not, you're still to be subjected unto your own husband. And while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. So your conversation to your husband, your conversation to your lost a husband that doesn't obey the word of God is to be a pure speech. It's to be a clean speech. It's to be a a, a chaste speech. It's not to be a speech of contempt. Amen. It's, it's not to be a, a speech of complaining and bickering. Amen. Because the book says that if you're in a house with a woman that's contentious, that it's better for that man to dwell on the rooftop than in the side with a brawling woman. Amen. And so God doesn't want women to, to brawl. Well, amen. He, he don't want you to, you know, open your mouth and let every word fly out and tell your husband everything that you're really thinking. And while they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, I was talking to, I was talking to a pastor some years ago, and we were talking about Brother Chuck Cofty. And uh, Brother Chuck Cofty, of course, you knew him. He came here and preached. Of course, he was a military man, served several terms in the Vietnam War. He was a man's man, but his wife was saved before he was. I remember Brother Cofty, he said his wife was a godly woman before he got saved. She loved the Lord, lived the Lord. Of course, she was saved. He said he would come home and he'd be drinking and what have you, and she'd have dinner made. Are you listening? She'd have dinner made and he would just take that meal and just throw it up against the wall. I told that story one time to one pastor's wife and she said, if he'd have done me that way, it would have stayed there until he took it down, until he cleaned that wall. 
Well, that's not very virtuous, is it? But anyway, Brother Chuck Coffey said he would throw that food against the wall and then he'd say, now woman, you, you fix me something else. Now I know we don't like hearing that, but she wouldn't murmur. She wouldn't complain. She would, I'm sure, with broken heart and confusion and with heavy heart and, and emotions running high, she would cling that and then prepare her something for her husband that he wanted. And many times he was just doing that to be ornery. But anyway, she, with that chaste conversation coupled with fear, brought that man to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then, man, they, they, they had a great marriage. He became a great evangelist, went all over the world, saw scores of people saved, lives changed. Yeah. Uh, listen, her, her life, her virtuous living paid off. And so while he beheld your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Now, I'm trying to connect this right here, verse 3 and 4, about the virtuous woman is a crown, is a crown to her husband. Look at verse 3, who's adorning. You see that? Uh, if you wore a crown in your head tonight, that would be an adorning. That would be uh, a decoration, if you will. And, and ladies, if you're a virtuous woman, you're a decoration. You're a crown. You're adorning yourself for him. Who's adorning, let it not to be that outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair or the wearing of gold or a putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament. Now there's ornament, you know, like you, ornament. You know, they put ornaments on the hood of the car. And if you got one, you know, if you got a Mercedes Benz, you want that ornament there. If you have a Jaguar, you want that Jaguar ornament there. Amen. You're like, look at my Jack. Now, I grew up in West Virginia. You know, ornament. We like Brother King. We like them old bulldog. Uh, Mack trucks was everywhere hauling coal. I mean, just they run up and down the road constantly. And that ornament, that bulldog ornament for the Mack truck was mounted right on the, on the hood of those trucks. And, uh, man, I remember one time somebody gave my dad one. And, man, we just like looking at it, holding it. It was a nice, boy, I'm redneck, ain't it? I think one time we took that ornament, that bulldog ornament. It's probably a pound. I think we wrapped something around and hung it on the Christmas tree. Now, buddy, if that ain't redneck, I don't know what is. If you got a Mac bulldog statue hanging from your Christmas tree, you might be a redneck, amen. You say, what's that got to do with anything? I'm talking about ornaments, amen. Yeah, amen. And so the crown, the, 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 uh, the virtuous woman is an adorning. She's an ornament. Verse 4 of 1 Peter 3, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. I'd say that right there is the characteristic of the virtuous woman. Learn how to be meek. Learn how to be humbled. Learn how to be quiet spirit. We miss Ruth. Got to defeat of Boaz. She wasn't being boisterous and loud, stomping around. Hey, hey, old man, you wake up. I got something to talk to you about. Amen. She was very humble. She was very reverenced. She was very meek and quiet spirit. You said, well, Brother Gibson, I'm just not made that way. Well, get that way. Amen. 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 Get in the Word of God and read the Word of God. 
and ask God, Lord, you know, I'm just one of these women that just likes to go nuts and talk and ratchet jaw all the time and give my husband a little hell on earth. Amen. Hey, just ask the Lord, Lord, will you change me so I can be this meek and quiet spirit woman that I need to be? Lord, would you help me to be a virtuous woman? Are we having fun tonight? Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Now watch this, which is in the sight of God, not the sight of man. A great price. So God looks down from heaven. He sees a lady that's a virtuous woman that's making quiet spirit and being subjected unto her own husband even when he's lost. He said that's, that's pleasing. That's, that's an ornament. That's a crown to her husband. That is a dec- that's decorative. And in the sight of God, that's a great price. And it gets me back to First Corinthians, uh, uh, Proverbs 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. Yes. I was looking at the, I was looking at, I was about to say I was looking at ruby, but that don't sound right. Are y'all okay? I pulled up, um, what's the most expensive ruby on the earth? Of course, if you find a ruby, you, you, you didn't stumble over it. You went looking for it. And you young men, once again, talking to the left side and anybody else that's, you know, not married. The Bible says, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. She's just not going to fall in your presence. Uh, that ruby is not just going to fall and you're going to just be out playing ball one day and you're going to say, well, there's a, a ruby let me go take that to the pawn shop and get some money. Who can find a virtuous woman? You're going to have to go to a certain place and you're going to have to find her. I'll tell you where you're not going to find her. You're not going to find her at Joel's Pool Hall. You're not going to find her at the Disco Hall. You're not going to find her at the Red Light District. You're not going to find her at 2 o'clock in the morning walking Main Street. Amen. I tell you what, if you stay clean, if you stay right and keep your eyes on the Lord, you just may find her right here in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. But anyway, let me, let me, let me try to give, give you something else here. Cause, but anyway, it's, she, he said it's a, an, an ornament. And he said in verse 5 of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 5, oh, I was going to tell you about the ruby. The ruby, I looked up how expensive it was. And back in 2015, an expensive ruby sold it's called a sunset ruby. It sold for $30.4 million. $30 million it sold for. And the Bible says if you find a virtuous woman, her price is far above rubies. Now you don't have to answer this out loud, but I wonder how many men in this room think their woman, their, their, their wife is worth $30.4 million. Amen, brother. He can even call his wife Fred and she's good with it. Amen. I know he's I know he's got something better than a ruby. Amen. I called my wife Fred, she'd hit me in the head. Amen. Real quick, and rightly so, no offense now. Amen. But uh but anyway, uh thirty point four million dollars for for that highest prize ruby. He said it'd be a rare thing, yes it would. And have a virtuous wife, a virtuous woman, is a prize that's far above ruby.
If you look at 1 Peter chapter 3, which I'm still there in verse number 5, after this manner, talking about the manner of verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, that we've been reading, and after this manner in the old time. Isn't that not where we are in, in Ruth chapter number 3? We're in the old time. And he said, in the old time, are you watching it? The holy women. Hey, if I was going to say what a virtuous woman was, yeah, there's a lot of things in this chapter, 1 Peter chapter 3, that you can put on a virtuous woman, but no doubt she's a holy woman. You say, what's a holy woman? A woman that's filled with the Holy Ghost. Same thing with a holy man. Be a man that's filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I tell you what, a person that's filled with the Holy Ghost is going to look different. Talk different, speak different, act different. Amen. Going to obey the word of God and they're going to obey the authority that's over them. All right. Look at verse five again. For after this, the manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God. Isn't that what Ruth is doing? God is, she doesn't look at herself as a holy woman. She doesn't look at herself as being this meek and quiet spirit woman that she's de- developing into that could be a, a pearl of great price in the sight of God. She doesn't realize that. God is molding her and making her and going to use her. And she's, God's going to use her to be a holy woman also who trusted in God. Listen, uh, Boaz said in Ruth chapter 2 verse 10, we read it a while ago that who's under whose wing you've come to learn to trust. That's a virtuous woman. She's trusting in God. Adorn themselves. There's that adorning again. Being in subjection unto their own husband. I tell you what, if, if Ruth becomes his wife, which she does, if she became his wife that night, that moment in time, she'd have had no problem being subjection to Boaz. She's already there. You know, that's why young ladies right now, when they're teenagers, ought to learn how to be virtuous women. You're not just going to wake up one day because you walked down the aisle and said, I do. Amen. Because you walked down the aisle and you got married and, 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 and you're, uh, whatever it is, you're, you're on your honeymoon and then you're living life afterwards. That's not going to make you a virtuous woman. Nor is that going to make you a holy man. That has to come now. That has to come early in your life. Being taught now. Being trained now. Be willing now. Lord, listen. All the young ladies in this room will be, Lord, make me now a virtuous woman. Mold me now to be a virtuous teenager. And lead me, guide me, and direct me. So that I don't have to rewire my thinking when I get married. I'm just already there. Well, amen. There's no doubt. If she would have got married that night, she'd already been subject to Boaz. She'd already loved Boaz. She'd already been a crown to her husband. She'd already be an ornament, an adorning uh, unto him. But you know, look at Proverbs chapter 12 again. You know, I might be stuck in this virtuous woman for a while. You wait till Pastor gets to Proverbs 31. We'll watch carefully how many women start missing the service during that chapter. <laughs> but look, look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 4 again. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but watch this. But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. 
I've listen. I've seen. I've seen. I've, I've I've seen folks in marriages, and I, of course we've seen it both ways. That it, they're just rottenness. There's not any virtue there. There's not any crown there. There's not any honor there. There's not any respect. There's not any glory there. It's just all embarrassing. It's all being ashamed. And if a virtuous woman is not a crown to her husband, but she can very well be the opposite, but she that maketh ashamed, embarrassing him, shaming him, always talking derogatory toward him. Amen. Ladies, let me tell you something. You've got to let that man lead. Amen. I know, I know many times you think this is a better idea, and it probably is. Oh, he don't see it the way I see it, and he probably don't. Oh, this will be, and you know, you know, Proverbs 31 lady does talk about having wisdom. She opened her mouth and speaks wisdom. She's not opening her mouth and speaking a lot of foolishness like Job's wife, amen. When she opens it up, she's speaking wisdom. What is wisdom? Truth, the word of God. There's no doubt she's speaking the truth of God. And there is no doubt there's times that wives have better intuition or they have a better thought Amen? But at the end of the day, it's that man that's the head of his house. It's that man that's the head of his wife. Christ ought to be the head of our home. And the man, the husband, is the head of that wife. And if he makes a foolish decision, you know what your job is? Is not to tell him, hey, hey, dummy. I, you know, I, I knew you was going to do that. I told you not to do that. Oh, you all right? I tell you what, that man needs strength. That man needs encouragement. That man needs to say, hey, honey, you got this. I'm for you. And then he falls flat on his face. You still be there with him, amen. You still care for him. You still love him. You still show him it's going to be all right. Yeah, amen. But if you chide on him, and if you start that chainsaw, that's what I called it in St. Lucia. My daddy used to say, now your mom's got that ratchet jaw going. Now my dad was a lost man. And my, my dad called it a ratchet jaw, chainsaw. Now if you get that going, ladies, I'm going to tell you what, he, that ain't going to do any good. You've been married him long enough, you can tell him what to do, he ain't going to do it. You've got to let him lead, guide and direct and pray that God would aid him and show him what he needs to do. Well, amen. Otherwise... You don't want to make it a shame and be a rottenness to his bones. No. I tell you, I've been on the road and been in and out of churches, and I don't know, I've preached in probably over 400 churches, mainly because I was a missionary at one time and all that. But there was something, there was nothing more disturbing. Are you listening? There was nothing more disturbing than walking into a church. Pastor and his wife standing there. And I say, hey, Pastor, what time are we eating? And she say, five o'clock. Uh, Pastor, where am I staying at? I'll tell you where you're staying. You're staying at the Super 8 Motel down on exit 351. And I couldn't ask him nothing. Are we okay tonight? I couldn't ask that Pastor anything without her clearing her throat and want to do all the talking. I just want to say, hey, you know what? Usually shut up. And let this man talk. And let this pastor that invited this missionary in, let him talk. 
Well, amen. Yeah, I know it's not shouting time now. But uh, but be a crown to your husband. Um, I'm going to bring it to a close. I didn't even get out of the introduction. I would say the characteristics, we, we went over some characteristics of a virtuous woman. And uh, I tell you what, let's just turn over real fast for the next three minutes. We'll look at this. I've got some stuff out of the book of Ruth that she's a virtuous woman. But look at, just, just look at skimming the book of Proverbs with me. In verse number 11 of Proverbs 31, the heart of her husband, talking about the virtuous woman in verse 10, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. Look at verse 11, the heart of her husband does safely trust in her. You can see that a virtuous woman is a trustworthy person so that he shall have no need of spoil. He puts 110% trust in her. Look at verse 12, just skimming. She will do him good and not evil all the days of his life. She's got a good positive influence on her husband. She's not trying to be the neck that turns the head. She's trying to love. She's trying to be submissive. She's trying to be a crown of glory. She's trying to be an, an, an ornament under him. And so, but she will do him good and not evil all the days of it. She's not always trying to win the argument. She's not always trying to get back at the next phrase. Amen. She's not always trying to, to get ahead of his thought and his thinking. Well, I'm, we've been married 20 some years. I'm going to get him this time. No, she does him good and not evil all the days of, of her life. You know, sometimes, you know, you ever wonder why some men work 14, 15 hours a day? Because probably they don't want to come home and just been done evil all the days of their life. That was free. She seeketh wool, verse 13, and flax, and worked willingly with her hands. She's hard worker. Don't you see Ruth and all this, carrying all that hay, or all that wheat, and all that good stuff? And uh, she's, she's got a great work ethic. Uh, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, the young women are to marry, bear children, and God the home, and they're to be, the Bible teaches, they're to be keepers at home. And I firmly attest to that, and I firmly believe that. But let me tell you something, man. Your wife being a keeper at home don't mean she sits on the couch watching Netflix and watching TV all day, chewing on RC Coca-Colas and Moon Pies. Amen. That's not a keeper at home. You ever heard of a zookeeper? Does that mean he stays at the zoo? Well, y'all going to be glad when preacher comes back. Amen. Hey, you ever heard of a zookeeper? He keeps animals. I know some of you women sometimes probably feel like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a zookeeper, amen. I've heard them say it. My wife said it about me because she's right. She'll say, I got three boys. I got four boys. Always throws me in there. Zookeeper? The zookeeper doesn't always stay at the zoo, but he, a beekeeper, a man that's a beekeeper, he just don't stay in his bee outfit all day long and stay out there with the bees. So you can read all that in, in, into that thing if you want to. My wife's keeper at home and she's going to stay behind locked doors and sit on the sofa and not go anywhere. Yeah, you're out of your mind. 
That's why she's going to leave you in about 30 months. Amen. Well, amen, boy. Let me go on. Yeah, I'll close it here soon. She's hard worker. She worked willing with her hands. In verse number 13. Look at verse 15. She also rises while it is at night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. So she's hard worker. Look at verse number um, Look at verse number 24. She maketh fine linen and selleth it. I like that. Anybody that buys and sells and makes and sells, I like it. And, uh, and she maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth, uh, uh, what, what is that? Is that, is that girdles? <laughs> Amen. I should have read that ahead of time. Practice a little bit more on that. Unto <laughs> the motet. Amen. Look at verse number 26. She opened her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law with kindness. Don't that remind you of Ruth? She opens her mouth with wisdom, and she has that kindness. See the wisdom? See the kindness there? Verse 27. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. That's a virtuous woman. The children are excited about her. The husband is excited about her. I mean, she's trustworthy. She's got a great influence. She's a hard worker. She's a good manager of the home. In verse 13, 16, and 18. I mean, the list goes on. She's a loving mother. In verse number 29, the boast of all. Verse 30, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord shall be praised. So a virtuous woman on the high list, no doubt, she fears the Lord. She loves the Lord. She finds wisdom and seeks it with all of her strength. A virtuous woman follows the Lord. Amen. You get, if you got a virtuous woman, you better, you better treat her nice. better treat her right. Amen. better not take her for granted. Right. And because uh, her price is far above rubies. We'll look at some more the next time we get into Ruth. Probably after this message, it'd be a while. But anyway, so we'll look at a little bit more about Ruth and how she was that virtuous woman all through there in Ruth chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3.